Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. With your host, Andrew Donaldson, this is Herd Tell. Ah, Herd Tell Show. He's back. It's been a few minutes, but we love having him. Real sharp guy here. Uh, goes to Georgetown Law working on Juris Doctor because he's all smart and stuff, but we always enjoy having him on the program. Travis Nix from Young Voices. Welcome back, buddy. Good to see you. Good to see you. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, we uh, we were going to talk to him a couple months ago, but uh, Jay uh, retired from Villanova, and we knew he was sad. We needed to give him a little bit of time because he's a Villanova fan, but that's okay, buddy. Uh, have you recovered, and are you doing well, sir? Uh, yeah, it, that was a rough one, but I have recovered. Kyle Neptune's a great basketball coach. Um, and, yeah, ready to talk some taxes with you. Yeah, I miss the old Big East, dude. Of course, I'm a West Virginia guy. Uh, I miss the old Big East. Those, those were fun fun times but Villanova I think Villanova will be just fine uh going forward okay let's talk a little taxes though um you got a story in the Wall Street Journal congratulations that's a good job but let's start big picture and then we'll we'll come back down why is it and I know it's partly human nature I know it's partly politics I know a lot of it's probably just rhetorical laziness because you just kind of get in ruts and say things what is it with tax the rich that we just go to over and over and over again policy-wise? Both parties do it. Uh, the left's probably a little bit more guilty than the right, but the populist right has kind of gotten on this thing too now. Why does folks go to that tax the rich button every time they want to do a, kind of what we call a cheap pop when it comes to policy discussions about taxes? I think one of the main reasons that we see this happen is our tax code is just so complex. A lot of people don't know what wealthy people actually pay in taxes, for example, because um, we have withholdings of people's salaries from people's paychecks. Nobody really knows what people pay in taxes because the government just takes the money straight out of it. So um, we just have a very complex tax code and people just don't understand, especially with corporations, all the good that corporations do in terms of making investments, investing in research, all these investments that over time grow the economy, put uh, more money in people's paychecks by making workers more productive. All of these are activities people, businesses can write off of their taxes and that's good. And that lowers what businesses pay in taxes. It's not cheating, but it's just that people, a lot of people just don't understand um, that most write-offs that people do that lowers their tax burden is actually good for society, especially on the business side. Now, one of the examples of that that we hear all the time is they'll pick such and such rich person or such and such uh, major company and go, well, they didn't pay any state taxes. They, they didn't pay any income taxes. Um, just kind of break it down because we always want to turn down the noise on things. 
yeah, that's technically true, but it's more complicated than that, especially if you have a, a national or especially an international company, they pay a lot of different kinds of taxes. So yeah, you can say, well, they don't pay this one kind of tax. They probably are paying that somewhere else. Just walk us through that because that's kind of the soundbite that people will jump all over when we have this debate, isn't it? Yeah, so I'll start with like corporate executives. A lot of times they go, oh, Jeff Bezos isn't paying anything in taxes. Well, that's because he's compensated in stock and you're not taxed on your stock until you sell it. So it's, it's, as long as he's getting Amazon stock or stock of whatever company, he's not taxed on it until he sells it. That doesn't mean he's also paying, his company pays a lot in payroll taxes. They pay a lot in state corporate taxes. Um, some, some years they pay federal corporate taxes. And if you want to, let's say tax stock, as soon as Jeff Bezos gets the stock, that would have disastrous economic effects because it would prevent or it would discourage people from investing in startups, investing in all types of companies that eventually hopefully grow and produce a lot of good paying American jobs. Yeah, Travis, next joining us. The other side of this, just to play devil's advocate for a second, and I'm sympathetic to this view too, is part of that complicated tax code that you're just talking about, though, is that does make enforcement hard, number one. And number two is it makes it hard to explain it. It makes it look uneven, even when it's working correctly. So folks do have a legitimate gripe here of going, well, hey, wait a minute, this doesn't look fair on paper. Isn't part of this, too, is the tax code is so complicated that it's hard to enforce and the average person just doesn't understand how it's enforced. That's an accountability issue. That's also part of the policy discussion we ought to be having, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I think one of the major goals that politicians from all sides of the aisle should be having is how to simplify the tax code, which will then increase economic growth if you do it correctly by eliminating distortions, getting rid of favors that certain businesses have over, over others. That... Um, that helps the economy and will increase economic growth and also help um, the IRS hopefully get some more, collect more revenue and go after the few people and companies that do cheat on their taxes. Yeah, Travis, next joining us. Okay, let's talk about the current president, President Biden. There, there's two basic ways to affect tax policy, legislatively and regulatory. Uh, legislatively, we understand it's a midterm year. There's a lot of big ticket items going on. We've got guns, we have the abortion debate, we've got um, we're going to have a uh, government shutdown theater again this fall. That stuff's over. There's probably not going to be any tax legislation this year, at least with this Congress. So that's off the table. So walk us through it slowly, because the other part that folks don't understand is how much regulatory can be done with taxes. You're talking about this Section 901 change that President Biden and his Treasury Department has pushed through. Just kind of slow walk us through it, because regulatory tax changes are more immediate other than court challenges and things like that. And people don't really pay as much attention to them as due to like Trump's tax cuts, like, you know, the stuff with the Clinton era, just kind of walk us through the difference between those two things. And then why you got into this section 901 thing. Yes. Yeah, so in terms of regulatory tax policy, Congress, they're not tax experts, the tax experts, they're in the treasury and IRS. So what oftentimes Congress do, does is they legislate in very vague, broad terms, and they go, I want our international tax system to look like um, this. And one portion of our international tax system is we have foreign tax credits, which companies, um, when uh, US shareholders of foreign companies um, 
when the foreign co corporation pays tax in whatever jurisdiction they're operating in, then the U.S. shareholder, when they have to report their for that foreign corporation's income on their taxes, they get a dollar for dollar credit for um, the tax that was already paid. So that way corporations aren't double taxed. That allows um, income and revenue to move freely across borders, which is generally good and productive for the economy. And what the Biden administration did was they narrowed these foreign tax credits. They basically said that foreign tax credits, it's only available to corporations, um, foreign corporations that have a tax treaty with the US and that excludes a large portion of Latin America, many Latin American countries, including Brazil, Argentina, Chile, do not have foreign uh, tax treaty with the US. And the, the US basically said, or the Biden administration basically Treasury put into changed the regulation and said that there the foreign uh, country's tax system has to have many attributes as the U.S. tax system. Um, this includes provisions like interest deductibility. So if a corporation has debt or they finance investments through debt, they have to be able to write off the interest of their debt. So that's a big issue, for example, in Hong Kong right now. Hong Kong does not allow interest deductibility for foreign corporations. So that would possibly limit these foreign tax credit um, from US uh, companies operating in Hong Kong. And therefore they would then be double taxed and not be able to invest as much in Hong Kong and possibly move their headquarters over there. Now, um, uh, Travis next joining us, Young Voices contributor, smart fellow, glad to have him back. We're talking tax policy. There's one thing in here that caught my attention, and you touch in on, on your piece, but I don't understand this the way you do. So just explain it to me like I'm five for a second. It seems to me that maybe there's a little bit of a failure in how this uh, regulatory policy was written. And you touched on it in your piece because it talks about income taxes in other countries. Income tax is kind of, it's not unique to America, but the way we do it is pretty unique in the world. Most of the world doesn't do it that way. Of course, they have different social systems. They have VAT taxes. They have things like this, especially in places like Europe and South America. Isn't that kind of a bad way to view the taxes of the world? Because one is when you're talking tax policy, it's like other policy like guns or something like that. The specific wording really, really matters. And saying income tax, and you touch on it in your piece, that's probably not the best way to go at, even if you agree with what they're trying to do, because that's kind of an American concept that you're placing on foreign countries that don't do it that way. Uh, is Am I way off base that? Because it just seems odd to me. Yeah, I mean, these regulations, they were very hastily proposed and very hastily created. And there's definitely a lot of vague and poor wording on it that just does not address everything. Um, for example, as like you were talking about, um, one of the big in international income tax, there's a big principle of if you're moving money or doing a deal with one of your subsidiaries, you have to basically deal with your subsidiary like it's a third party. It's called the arm length principle. And in the regs um, for this income tax definition, it basically says that you have to basically include this language of arm length principle in the regulations. Now, Brazil, they don't have that. It doesn't explicitly say arm's length principle, but they basically operate that way. Their tax system very has moved in recent years very closely towards that. So right now they're getting penalized in Brazil and any US company 
that operates in Brazil is potentially penalized and will be double taxed just because Brazil's tax code does not specifically say that, even though that they are essentially following it. So that's, a, that's an example of just poor definitions and not really understanding how the rest, how certain countries operate and the terminology that they use. Yeah, Travis, thanks for joining us. Um, you use Brazil as an example here. Brazil is an interesting case study. You know, 10 years ago, they were kind of the poster child. A lot of people were talking about, you know, countries on the up. They've had a lot of economic turmoil since then. I just yeah. use them as a little bit of an example, though, because they're, they, we can extrapolate that out to other countries. When we're dealing with a country like Brazil, that is a very big dynamic economy, but it's having a little bit of trouble in recent years. How would this kind of a tax policy affect them and how would it affect us? And how does it also affect us politically when we try to exert influence with something like the current administration there that's been, you know, a little bit off the rails on certain things that matter to Americans? Yeah, so I think one of the biggest ways that the U.S. should try to influence the world is culturally and economically. So we need businesses operating in Brazil, in Argentina, in Chile, our closest neighbors down in South America, countries where China is investing billions and almost trillions of dollars a year, a year and over a decade in China's influence is growing strongly in South America. And we should definitely be very concerned about that. In terms of how it affects the US, um, so when a company's double taxed um, because of the elimination of a foreign tax credit, it basically has two choices. One, it can stop operating in that country, close all of its foreign subsidiaries, divest, sell them off, the potentially Chinese companies, potentially European companies, um, who they have better tax laws and would allow um, a foreign tax credit without double taxation. Um, and that, that would obviously lessen American influence in South America and increase China's probably. Um, or um, the company can um, basically move their headquarters from the US to a different foreign country. It could be even like the Cayman Islands, a very a tax haven essentially where then double taxation is not an issue at all because you don't pay um, income tax. And that's obviously bad for the US worker because it would uh, decrease the amount of jobs available in the US and potentially lower wages, stop that free flow of capital and money across borders, which would depress the world economic growth over time a little bit, including the US economy. So we would just not grow as fast and we would lose influence um, within the rest of the world. Yeah, Travis, next joining us. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to continue to talk tax policy, uh, tax the rich, both the rhetoric and the policy. More with Travis next on Hertel right after this quick break. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. 
Ah, welcome back to Hurtel. All right, we're with Travis Nix. We're talking a little tax policy. He's got a great piece out in Wall Street Journal. It is linked in the show notes. Make sure you read it in its entirety. Um, I like to take something complicated and try to break it down to something simple. So tax the rich sounds good. Evil corporations, that sounds good. Um, Bezos has enough money to give X amount of money to everybody in the world, and he can still uh, be the richest man in the world. I heard that about Bill Gates. I heard about Carlos Slim. That's, that's not a new joke. It's just he's the new guy. Here's my thing. When you start explaining this as double taxing, even the average person can understand, well, wait a minute, if you're getting double taxed, that doesn't sound fair. Is some of this just a rhetoric and nomenclature problem where we, we house it one way of, you know, rich corporations, millions and millions of dollars, instead of saying, well, wait, double taxing something is pretty much always wrong. Like that's just, that just doesn't sound right no matter who you are and you don't have to know economic policy. Should we be changing our nomenclature and our rhetoric a little bit on some of these things? Because that makes more sense to me than, you know, all the policy stuff in the world. Maybe it would other people as well. Yeah, definitely. I think um, rhetoric has a huge place in tax policy in defeating bad ideas. Frank once famously um, coined the term death tax for the estate tax. And the number of states with a death or estate tax has decreased significantly um, over the over the past decade because and decades because when people hear the word death tax, they think tax when you die, that's unfair. Um, and the estate tax is very economically harmful for family farms and um, familial wealth. Um, and so like that's why where rhetoric has a very important role in tax. Um, Republicans should get better at using very good rhetorical tools like the, like double tax, like I'm saying, um, to defeat bad tax policy ideas. But unfortunately, a lot of the smart tax people that are in this world, and there's a lot of them, um, they get very technical when they talk about taxes, and they just kind of forget how to describe it to the average person. You do it in a way that understands how harmful some of these ideas are. Well, let's 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 flesh that out for a second, because we talk about things like deficits. We talk about wasteful government spending. We talk about, you know, uh, unaccountability in government spending and in government in general. And we can, you know, pound that pulpit all day. Talk just big picture for a second, though, because if you're going to do proper budgeting, if you're going to have a fiscally responsible government, all that is foundationally relying on the tax code, because that's the government's primary income. Just kind of walk folks through, because I think sometimes we we forget the basics of economics and the basics of government. Just walk people through, like, the tax code is not just foundational for income. It's foundational for how the entire government works. And if you care about functional, efficient government, you've got to have a tax code that works, and you've got to have it enforceable, and you got to have everybody on the same page as to what it is, right? Yeah, so foundational principle, taxes and spending should be related. Unfortunately, the federal government every year moves farther and farther away from that. But the idea is um, when you budget at the beginning of the year, you need to be able to predict accurately and forecast how much revenue you are going to take in. And that requires a stable tax code, a stable tax code that doesn't change that often that you're able to predict. Um, in the Biden, this uh, double tax um, foreign tax credit proposal, it moves us completely away from that because now corporations are talking about, you know, moving overseas, divesting of foreign investments. Um, they're meeting with the treasury 
And they are very worried about how these regulations are going to affect them. And depending on what they ultimately decide, that lowers the tax revenue that's coming in from um, their shareholder, from their corporation. And that makes it harder to forecast for budgeting and then makes it uh, just um, completely disassociates spending and, and tax revenue completely and we get farther and farther from the ideal system. Talk about the sponge principle for a minute because, and there's different words for this in tax policy. But uh, the way it was explained to me when I was a kid was it's the sponge principles like, look, when you go to crack down on companies when it comes to taxes, you're only going to squeeze it so much. And eventually that's just going to run out everywhere and you're not actually collecting it and cleaning it anymore. It's just going everywhere. These companies have fleets of lawyers. They know this stuff. They can go overseas. They can move. They can do tax havens. They can change countries. We see that going on with the EU Brexit thing right now. Um, Talk about that is like there is a limit to this stuff. So people can say tax the rich. But that's a two-way street because the rich have to, you know, especially the rich that have means, they have to consent to the taxes or they'll just move somewhere else. There is a fairness two-way street policy here that doesn't get talked about a lot, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, these companies, um, their executives are highly mobile. They can, if they believe that they're being unfairly targeted by an administration, and I think this is a clear example of... um, Corporations or foreign subsidiaries operating in Latin America, they're being put at a huge disadvantage here because they're being double taxed. But if you just operate in Europe, you're not um, double taxed um, because uh, they have a tax treaty. And so they they feel like they're being very treated unfairly and they might just move um, and go to a tax haven or something like that. They have the means to be able to do that. And that's something that the administration has to remember and basically not unfairly target certain companies for operating in certain countries that just don't do their tax system the way we want them to do. Yeah, Travis, next joining us. All right, we've been beating up on the Biden administration here, but uh, let's be fair here. The Republican Party and the wider right, frankly, I just haven't heard them talk a lot about tax policy lately. Now, they will still get lip service about you know tax cuts or cutting the rich. cutting taxes, that sort of thing. I just don't hear a lot about it. I know we have a lot of cultural issues going on. I know there's, you know, political upheaval on other fronts right now. They used to be just bread and butter stuff for the right to talk about tax policy. I just don't hear it that much anymore. Do you hear the same thing? Do you find that frustrating? Yeah, I think it's very frustrating with the new populist right and the cultural war that they seem to be wanting to wage with the Democrats, they think that that's what it helped them politically. And they just ignore um, these important tax issues. And then what, what do we see people voting on right now? They're worried about rising inflation and an economy that seems to be moving closer to a recession every single day. Tax policy is a tool that we can use to get us out of that, put more money in people's products, pockets, um, and boost the economy and they just don't be they're not willing to fight that fight right now and that's a shame especially that the front tax cuts that everyone talked about they're going to expire at the end of 2025 so whoever wins the midterms this cycle and eventually the white house in 2024 they'll decide what our nation's tax code will look like um and they should be drumming that issue and 
beating that drum and they just aren't. And that has wide consequences because the American people don't understand how much their taxes will be, um, could be raised in 2025 if um, we don't have politicians who are willing to fight for lower taxes. More importantly, since we can't get them focused on that, is there the way to deal with the regulatory state is through legislation. I really don't see any appetite for that whatsoever. And like you said, there, there's some time bombs going off. The taxation time bomb is 2025. We know Social Security, it's 2026. We've got some really heavy legislative issues coming up. And the way our system's set up, we should go through the legislative process to deal with regulation. We're not. This program from Biden, and I'm not picking on him because Trump did it too, Bush did it too, Obama did it too. Presidents are going more and more to the regulatory agencies to push this stuff through, and it's just piling up, piling up, piling up. I, How would you throw the pitch of like, hey, the legislative process has to take back control of these policy issues, even though they're not real sexy, they're not getting you know clicks, they're not getting hits, they're not getting fundraising. This is just how basic government has to function, and it's not. And there's people like you. You just mentioned 2025. There's a cliff coming, and nobody seems to really care right at the moment, and that's very frustrating and kind of alarming to me. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the legislators seems they they like agencies to be able to let legislate on these big issues that really only corporate executives care about. So that means they can just point fingers at the agency when these corporate executives and big companies get mad and say, "Oh, it's not my fault; it's their fault." So go like go yell at them. Um, and that's just not how government's supposed to work. Um, we have some big Supreme Court decisions possibly going to be released um, soon on the regulatory state that could um, start to limit some of their power. And I think any regulatory reform, and unfortunately, bluntly, it's not going to come from Congress. It's going to come from um, lawsuits that work their way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. And the U.S. Supreme Court finally says that they've had enough and want to um, really uh, eliminates a lot of the regulatory state's power to legislate because this is Congress's job and Congress should be the one doing it. Yeah, that's all we need to help out the IRS, more lawyers involved, right? Um, Travis Nix, great piece in the Wall Street Journal. Make sure you go read it. We have a link in the show notes. As always, read the whole piece. Uh, we're going to have you back again because you're always sharp and we always enjoy you. Until we get you back on the program, though, let folks know where they can follow you, your social media, and what else you got going on when you're not busy worrying about Villanova basketball. Yeah, the easiest way to follow me is uh, at TMX113. Um, I post all my pieces there that I write, and you can follow me for tax takes, sports takes, whatever you want. <laughs> he also has a piece out about uh, the Shapiro tax plan in Pennsylvania. Election year, good thing to check up on that. Uh, Travis Nix, you do great work, sir. Always appreciate your time. Thanks for coming back on the show and talking with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me again. I always love being on. Yes, sir. Appreciate you. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. 
No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.